الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وحده لا شريك له ولا نظير له ولا ند له ولا ضد له ولا مثل له ولا مثال له ونشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا وسندنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يستخفون من الناس ولا يستخفون من الله وقال تعالى استكبارا في الأرض ومكر السيء ولا يحيق المكر السيء إلا بأهله وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تزهر الشماتة لأخيك فيرحمه الله ويبتليك أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام صدق الله العظيم وبلغنا رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين My respected elders and brothers Hazrat Luqman alayhi salam was a very wise man whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala speaks about in the Quran There's an entire surah that has been revealed which is called Surah Luqman and in this the advices of Hazrat Luqman alayhi salam is recorded Luqman alayhi salam initially he was a slave and one day his master called him and asked him oh Luqman go and slaughter one animal and bring to me the two best organs of this animal so Hazrat Luqman alayhi salam went and he slaughtered a sheep and he came back to his master with the tongue and the heart of this animal and he presented it to his master so the master was quite happy and he says okay now go and slaughter another animal but this time come to me with the two worst organs of this animal so Hazrat Luqman alayhi salam goes he slaughters one animal one sheep and he comes back this time and in his hand he's got the heart and the tongue of the animal so look the master of Luqman alayhi salam is amazed he says when I ask you to bring the best, then you bring the heart and the tongue. When I ask you to bring the worst, you bring the heart and the tongue. How is this? This is my master. If man uses his tongue and uses his heart in the right way, in the correct way, then these are the best organs in his body. But if he uses his heart and his tongue in the incorrect manner, then this becomes the worst organs of his body. The importance of us being careful about what we say and what we do. To put a monitor over our hearts and our tongues. Everything we say, everything we do, we will be questioned about this by Allah. There is nothing that is hidden from Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears every word that comes out of our mouths. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows every intention that passes through our hearts. Once in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa there was a robbery that had taken place in Medina Munawwara. One sahabi by the name of Hazrat Rifa'a radiallahu anhu, he had a bag 
and he had some arms and ammunition in that bag. But that bag was camouflaged with some flour, and there was a break-in into that home, and this bag of his was stolen. So Rifa'a radiallahu anhu called his nephew as a Qatada ibn al-Nu'man radiallahu anhu, and he says to him, nephew, this bag of mine is stolen, we need to do some investigation. So Qatada radiallahu anhu was the youngest sahabi, he immediately started doing some investigations, and he found out that there was one youngster, Muslim youngster, by the name of Ta'ma, who was hanging around in this area at the time when this bag was stolen. And it seems like as if perhaps this was the youngster who broke into the house and stole this bag from his uncle's home. So after doing some investigations, this whole case was brought to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi now when this case came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa this little youngster Tama, he somehow managed to get one of his slaves to take that bag and to go to the house of a Jewish person and leave the bag by this Jew as an amanat. And he got this bag and he leaving it as an amanat, as a trespass. The Jewish person doesn't know what's happening. He took the bag and he says, no problem, I'll keep it as an amanat, as a trespass. So the bag is now by the Jewish person's house. And this whole case comes to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam calls a few sahaba kiram radiallahu anhum, and orders them to conduct an investigation to see where this bag perhaps is. And after doing some investigations, the Stoma somehow managed to give them some leads towards the house of this Jewish person. When these Sahaba Kiram Radilanu came to the house of this Jewish person and they asked him about this bag, he says, yeah, I do have one bag as an amanat here in my house. And when they searched the house, they found the bag there. Immediately this was brought back to Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked this Jew, this Jew is explaining to them that it was a slave that brought it here as an amanat, but obviously because the bag was found in the possession of this Jew, and all investigations were pointing towards him, Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed a decision that the hand of that Jew must be cut, which is the law of Islam for a person who steals. Now when this happened, Hazrat Qatada radiallahu anhu came to Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he says, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I don't think that this Jewish person is the thief. From my investigations, it seems like as if this little youngster, Tama, he is the one who is the thief. But I don't know how the bag ended up in the house of this Jewish person and now he is being implicated. Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam became upset with Qatada radiallahu anhu and he says, Oh Qatada, you're getting... You're trying to implicate an innocent Muslim youngster, whereas all proof is showing that this bag was found in the house of this Jewish person. How is it that you want to implicate an innocent Muslim for this? So Qatada radiallahu because he had no proof, he says, I felt so terrible from within. He says, I wish that I never went up to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and mentioned anything. And now Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is upset with me. Anyway, the hukam had been passed that the hand of this Jewish person must be cut off. And before this could be implemented, immediately one ruku of the Qur'an Kareem was revealed. And in this ruku, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exonerated this Jew. And this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif was revealed, يَسْتَخْفُونَ مِنَ النَّاسِ وَلَا يَسْتَخْفُونَ مِنَ اللَّهِ You can hide from people, you can't hide from Allah. You can hide from people, you can't hide from Allah. And immediately all this, this the, the thief was exposed and he came to the fore that this Tu'ama was the thief. Nabiya Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam immediately changed the command and said this youngster must be arrested. But before he could be arrested, he ran away from Medina Munawwara. He turned away from Islam, he became a murtad and he went away to live in Makkah Mukarramah. And he continued with his evil day in Makkah Sharif as well, tried to steal from someone's house. The wall of the house collapsed on him and he died in that condition out of the fall of Islam. What we understand from this entire incident and this ayat of the Quran Kareem is that every action of ours, every action, every action has a reaction. If a person is good, if a person is good, he is righteous from within, he does good. 
then he will see the effects of those good deeds. And if a person is evil, a person is nasty, a person is bad, then you will definitely see the effect of that bad somewhere in your life. In the akhirat for sure a person will have to pay. But many a time in this world also a person will have to pay for his deeds. There's so many ayat of the Quran Kareem, so many ahadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that explain this. For example, in one hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explains, birru aba'akum explaining this whole concept of action and reaction, that you be good to your parents, you be good to your parents, your children will be good to you. You be good to your parents, your children will be good to you. If you want pious and obedient children, then an easy prescription for this is, you be obedient and good to your own parents. So Allah Ta'ala is showing us this action and reaction. If you be good to your parents, naturally you will see your children will also be good to you. In one ayat of the Qur'an Kareem, Allah Ta'ala says, لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you make shukar, you appreciate Allah's favor. Then the reaction of this shukar will be, لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ Allah will increase you in those ni'amats and in those favors. A person is thankful to Allah. A person is appreciative to Allah. Allah has given me so much. I've got clothes to cover my body. I have hot meals to eat every day. I have a soft bed to sleep on. I've got a roof over my head. I sleep every night on a nice pillow. I wake up in the morning. My health is good. So many favors Allah has blessed me with. And he's thankful and he's appreciative for the favors of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'll increase you in your favors. in kafartum inna adabi la shadeed. At the same time, Allah says, if you're not appreciative, and you don't show thanks to Allah, then the good also that Allah has given you, Allah says, I'll take it away. I'll take away that good that I have given you also. So action and reaction. Another hadith, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explains, لا تظهر الشماتة لأخيك لا تظهر الشماتة لأخيك فيرحمه الله ويبتليك Don't ever ridicule or mock a person for the wrong that he has done. Don't ever ridicule or mock a person for the wrong that he is doing. Very soon Allah will have mercy on him and put you through that same wrong in that Don't ever ridicule or mock a person for the wrong that he is doing. Very soon Allah Ta'ala will have mercy on him and put you through that same wrong. So again, Allah is showing us in so many different ayat, Quranic ayat, ahadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that if a person is good, then Allah Ta'ala will call good upon him. And if a person is nasty and is evil, and he has evil intentions, and he's got sinister intentions at heart, and he tries to plot and he tries to plan, and forgets that above everyone is Allah, and Allah is the best of them. Faruk sahab, Mirati rahmatullah he was mentioning to us an incident of a person who was a fisherman. And early in the morning he went fishing and he caught a nice huge fish for himself. He took the fish. As he's going home with the fish, there's a policeman who sees him and he says, see that fish you got? You take it and you put it into my van. So the fisherman is saying, but for what? You see, you don't ask me for what, you just listen to what I'm doing. You see, the fish is not undersized and neither is it out of season. I haven't broken any laws. Why do you want me to put the fish into your van? So the policeman takes out his work. And he says, if you don't listen to me, I'll whoop you and make you put it into the van. So the fisherman refuses and he says, there is no reason for me to take this fish and put it into your van. The policeman immediately picks up his work and he strikes him twice. Now with tears in his eyes, the fisherman is forced under oppression to take that fish and leave it in the van of the fish. Now he's gone home. The heart of the fisherman is hurting. 
The heart of the fisherman is hurting. The policeman is very happy he got a nice fish for himself. He's going home. But this thing is very short-lived. This is this oppression, this nastiness, this evil is very short-lived. The person feels that I can get away with whatever I want. In English, there's one saying, he got away with murder. He got away with murder. In life, no one gets away with anything. In life, no one gets away with anything. Whatever you do, you will have to pay for it. In the akhirat for sure, but many a times in the dunya also you have to pay for it. Now this policeman, he feels he's going to get away. He's going to get away, he comes away home, he shows the fish to his wife. Short-lived happiness. Wife is excited also, he says, okay, you help me, you clean the fish. I'll put the oil up, put the chips up, it make a nice fish and chips parcel today. You start cleaning the fish. So as the policeman is cleaning the fish, on the other side, the fisherman is crying at home. His heart is hurt. He's explaining to his wife and his children, I caught a nice fish today. But this is what the policeman did to me. And we forget that Allah above is watching everything. Allah Ta'ala is watching everything. Allah Ta'ala hears the pleas and the cries of every single person. Now while the fisherman is busy cleaning that fish, he gets poked, he gets poked with one of the fins of the fish. And that thing causes the blood to ooze out of his hand. Quickly he bandages, bandages it up. He's trying excruciating pain. By the time the fish is prepared and brought to him, he can't even enjoy the fish because of the pain in his hand. The entire night passes, he can't sleep. Early in the morning he has to go to a doctor. Doctor rushes him to the hospital. You see there's some kind of a poison that entered in the hand. The hand has to be amputated. The hand has to be amputated. And this is the Sharia law for a person who steals. This is the Sharia law for a person who steals that his hand must be amputated. He comes back home. Still severe pain after a few days. He goes back to the hospital. Another part of his hand is amputated. And this is continuing. The pain is not stopping until he sees one dream. And he hears a voice in the, in the dream saying to him, until when? Until when are you going to continue cutting off your hand? Go and sort out your affair with the fisherman. Go and sort out your affair with the fisherman. Now he comes to his senses that this is where my mistake was. Immediately he rushes off. He goes and asks for a maaf from the fisherman. He goes and begs him for maaf. And only when the fisherman makes him maaf and he gives him a huge sum of money as a recompense for that fish that he had taken, then the pain stops. Then only the pain stops. A lot of times in life we think we can get away with things. We do things quietly, underhand. We think no one is watching us. We can hide from people. We can't hide from Allah. On the day of Qiyamah we have to stand before Allah and we have to answer for every deed of ours. As a Shaykh al-Hadith, Manana Muhammad Zakaria sahab rahmatullah alayhi, who had taught in Mazahiri Ulum in Saharanpur for over 50 years. He says, in my 50 years of teaching, I had seen so many of the students and the staff of the madrasa. I had seen so many of the students and the staff of the madrasa just to stay away from madrasa. They would... Uh, lie about something, my back is paining, I've got a pain in my chest, my knee is paining, I can't come to Madresa today. So they'll complain about something, but it was a lie. Just to stay away from Madresa, as the Sheikh Ramatullah Ali said, I saw every one of them, I saw every one of them later on in their life suffering from the same ailments. I saw them later on in their life suffering from the same ailments. A person is trying to duck and deceive, duck and dive, lie and cheat. But above all, Allah is watching every single thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching our every move. In the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there was one cousin of Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whose name was Utaybah. He was married to Hazrat Umm Kulsum radiallahu ta'ala anha, the daughter of Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Utaybah was the son of Abu Lahab, the cousin of Rasulullah. And when Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam professed prophethood and he spoke about tawheed and worshipping one Allah, 
Then Abu Lahab came to his sons, two sons, both were married to the daughters of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But this one, Utayba, he mentioned to them that if you still want to maintain your relationship with me as your father, then you divorce the two daughters of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this Utayba, he came to Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he says to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on his Mubarak face, I don't believe in you as a prophet of Allah. I don't believe in the Allah who you are speaking about. I don't believe in any of the things you're speaking about, the akhirat, whether it's Jannah or Jahannam. As for your daughter, I divorce her now immediately. And with that, he took one step back and he spat towards the face of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah ta'ala caused that saliva to move away. The saliva never touched the Mubarak face of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But you think this amount of disrespect was just going to go and be left unheard? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above is watching everything. A few days later, Utiba is traveling. He's going on a business campaign towards Syria. And he's with a whole caravan of people. And in the middle of the desert, a lion comes out, sniffs him out from the middle of the caravan, pulls him out of there and separates his head from his body. This is a punishment for the person who shows disrespect to Nabi Akarim Sallallahu So we can't get away with anything. A person feels, I'll just do what I want, I'll continue. We have to be very careful. Our tongues, our hearts, our deeds, what we are doing. Be very careful. Put a monitor on our hearts and our tongues. So that means every step of ours is controlled. We know exactly what we are doing. And we're doing it for the pleasure of Allah. We're doing it in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hazrat Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu, the greatest soldiers of Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed him. He had such knowledge of of military warfare. In the time of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu kept him as the head of the entire military movement of the Muslims. When Hazrat Khalid radiallahu anhu was sent by Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu to go and fight a jihad and a war in Yamama against Musaylamatul Kazab. Musaylamatul Kazab, Musaylama was a liar and imposter. Hazrat Khalid radiallahu anhu took a huge group of Sahaba Kiram radiallahu anhu and they fought a very decisive battle. The war, the war was not an easy war. It was a very, very powerful war, strong war. But in the end, eventually Allah Ta'ala gave them victory. Many Sahaba Kiram were martyred in this battle. But on the way back, when they were returning to Medina Munawwara, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala sent him a message that before returning to Medina, there is a small little village, a small holding that's called Banu Hanifa or something like that. You go and you take over that village, you first fight them, take control of that village and then you return to Medina. She says, it came out from my mouth at that time. As a small village like that, we'll just mow them over. We'll just mow them over in no time. In no time we'll mow them over. We just fought now in... Musaylama's big army in Yamama, a small little village will mow them over in no time and will return to Medina Sharif. And he says, just as we got to this Banu Hanifa, we were attacked from all sides, from the front, from the rear, from the right, from the left. He says, we didn't know whether we're coming or going, we couldn't even get a hold of our army. And immediately we could see, we could see that we are losing this battle. We are losing this battle. As Khalid Rizal says, I couldn't understand what's happening and where we've been attacked from. But he says, when I made a little bit of introspection, thinking, where I went wrong, what I did wrong. He says, I remember these words came out of my tongue. You just mowed them over. He said, I forgot. Allah Ta'ala is in control of everything. And Allah gave us victory in Yamama. It wasn't me, Khalid. 
It wasn't your army, Khalid. It was Allah that gave the victory. Immediately engaged in istighfar. He said, immediately I cried to Allah. I begged Allah Ta'ala for forgive Allah, how could I say something like this? I just mentioned this word. And now you're seeing this defeat like this. So he says, it, was a, it wasn't a few minutes after that. Allah Ta'ala gave them, they could regroup. And they took over that village. And then they returned to Madinah Sharif. He says, I related this whole thing to Hazrat Abu Bakr. Radiallahu Ta'ala. And the words that Hazrat Khalid Radiallahu said at that time was, Al-Bala'u Mu'akkalun bil we don't realize, but most of the time, these difficulties, hardships, and calamities we go through is on account of our tongues. What we say, we just take out, splurt out words, we say things. We forget that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. And we forget that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control of everything. And a person just says things. And many a times because of what we see, then we see the repercussions of that. We see the evil of that afterwards just because of the words that came out of our tongues. So a person doesn't think before he speaks. He speaks anything or says anything. But then for every word that comes out, there's a repercussion there. Hazrat Sufyan Thawri rahmatullahi was a very great muhaddis. And he says, leave alone words. Leave alone words. Even a bad thought. Even a bad thought about a Muslim. And he gives his own example. He says, one day I walked into the masjid. I walked into the masjid and I saw one musalli in the corner of the masjid. Musalli was crying and making dua. He was crying and making dua. But he head down. He's crying and making dua. And the Sufyan Suri Rahmatullah says, thought just crossed my mind. The thought just crossed my mind. He's active. Acting. He's not serious. He's not, he's not really crying. He's acting. He says, I never said it to anybody. I never made ribat of him. I never mentioned one word to anybody. It's just a bad thought. Bad gumani. Bad gumani. A bad thought about a Muslim. A bad thought about a Muslim crossed my heart. He says, for six months after that, I couldn't wake up for tahajjud. For six months after that, I couldn't wake up for tahajjud. Why? Just because of a bad thought about a Muslim that crossed my mind. And yeah, I had to suffer this year. For six months afterwards, I couldn't wake up for tahajjud. The importance of us controlling our hearts, controlling our minds, controlling our intentions, controlling our actions, controlling our words. Because above all is Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. In the Quran Kareem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to us, Alam ya'alam bi anna Allah yara. Do you not know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching you? Do you not know that Allah ta'ala is watching you? Wherever a person is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching him. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala is checking over him. Hazrat Mawana Hakim Akhtar sahab, a nice poetry, Jo karta hai tu chupke se ahle jaha se. Jo karta hai tu chupke se ahle jaha se. Koi dekta hai tujhe asamas. What you're doing quietly and you're hiding away from people when you think no one is watching you. Don't forget Allah is watching you from above. Allah is watching every move of yours from above. Now a person, he's bad, he's nasty, he thinks I can plot and I can plan and I can work my way around this. And because of my position, because of my influence, because of my affluence, because of my money, I can do a lot of things. But we mustn't forget that Allah Ta'ala can do much more than we can even dream about doing. In the Quran Kareem, Allah Ta'ala speaks about the kuffar of Makkah. Istikbaran fil ardi wa makra Istikbaran fil ardi wa makra Proud on earth. They were proud on the earth and plotting and planning. Plotting how I can work my way around this. How I can connive. How I can do this and that. Allah says after that, That very plot and plan of yours, it will come back and boomerang upon you. It will come back and bite you. That same plan of yours that you did, that nasty plan of yours, it will come back and bite you. In English they say, what goes around comes around. What goes around comes around. You 
think I can work my way around and do this and do that. But behind everything is Allah Taala. In Arabic, there's one hadith. It says, "Kama tadinu tudan." How you do to others, it will be done. The same will be done. In Urdu, they say, "Jaisi karni, waisi barni." Jaisi karni, waisi barni. How you treat others, that's how you'll be treated. Nahi samajte hai to karke dek. Nahi mante hai to marke dek. If you don't want to believe, just do it and you'll see. Or if you die, then you'll see how it will be. How this thing comes back up. Allah wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq and the understanding that above us is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is watching every move of ours. Allah ta'ala knows every intention, every word of ours. If there's any time we hurt somebody or we did something wrong to someone or we did something bad to somebody, then this is a time for us to try and rectify. When the time before mort and before death. That I rectified my issues, I cleaned my books out, I asked ma'af from everybody, and my heart is clean towards everyone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it such that our hearts remain clean and pure, our tongues, our actions remain clean and pure. And that we always have this focus, Allah ta'ala is watching me all the time, and I can't hide from Allah ta'ala and do anything. Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq.